Hey guys, today's gonna be fun. We are talking about signature aspects. This is kind of a two for one because we have to break down two different things to make it come together. We're gonna start with an aspect. An aspect is a particular part or feature of something. Particular part. Particulars. Singularities. Bits and pieces of a whole thing. A speck. Aspects. And in astrology, when aspects are formed, it represents a relationship between two different things. In our everyday world, we have aspects that we see as a relationship of two different things that we kind of call its own thing. Gravity, for example. We identified a gravitational force, and Newton's law of gravity in itself is an attractive force that exists between all objects with mass. An object with mass attracts another object with mass. The magnitude of the force is directly proportional to the masses of the two objects and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between the two objects. And we call it a gravitational force, even though it's not its own force. It's a representation of the relationship between two other things. It's not a force. Gravity is an aspect of reality because we gave it a name, but it is just a relationship that exists within our field. But it's not a standalone thing. And neither is anything else, really. Nothing is natural in its own sense. Nothing is its own thing. Everything is a variation of one or another. We have never had the exposure to a primary other than our own existence, if you choose to claim that. Because there is this whole thing with past lives that feel like Ooh, maybe not. I think that what we are offered for past lives is supposed to just be like an energetic relationship, like this existed before you were here and here's how it looked the last time that it was available on this field. So then you get access to this past experience from another life in, in history, I guess, from the Akash, but was it you or is it just a relational aspect? Wind is another example. Feel the wind blow through our hair. We feel it moving. We know what wind is. When you say wind, we know that feeling. It's the natural movement of air at any velocity. But a relationship has to be created for it to exist. Things have to happen, and it is a result of those things happening. It's not a force of its own, but the momentary mutation and transition between two opposing aspects because those aspects are not themselves either. There's so much constantly happening right now that for us to really title and put a name on anything, it is an injustice, but you know, it gets our conversations going. It gives us new stuff to study. It gives us a way to relate to each other and to other things, but really to identify one thing as itself is so goofy because everything is everything. I wanna talk about our souls because I'm kind of mad at what we think they are and what we're doing with them. My soul is the collective of my aspects. And I think these aspects of matter and light that are particles and waves are all around us all the time, representing our universe in physical hard matter, in literal light, in exchange of energy, like the wind, or when we can see the heat rise from the hot ground. What I have to offer as a person and as a soul in my in my deepest, truest inner knowing, I know that this is the only time that I've ever been here, like this. When I talk about my past lives, I'm talking about different lives that Allison has experienced since she has been born in 1992. And I'm still responsible for those past lives, even if I've changed from them. 
they still left an impact. They've still made a difference in their time here. And I'm still paying for a lot of the stuff that I did when I was younger, as young as yesterday, because this is a continuity. So your soul develops over time. As you grow and develop, so does your soul. Different parts of yourself that no longer serve you are let go. New parts are welcomed in. This part gets a little hard for me because when we get to religion and stuff, you know, you call this God aspect into support or you hand over to this God aspect in faith that they've got it from here. And when you trust and believe that and you do hand it over and you do that thing, like it does happen. But I never really had faith in it because I come from the chicken soup from the soul kind of world where everybody in my family believes in God and everybody in my family had a story about how God changed their lives. And I had a parent just sitting in church one day like, hey, my arm's still messed up. If you're real, can you just heal me from this ailment? And it happened. An arm that could only extend partially or rather retract partially was now able to, it had full movement within, within an instant upon request. And now this person never questions the existence of this being. And another parent who was at their wit's end, too much to do and not enough time to do it, a small window of catastrophe where nothing's really that bad, but the overwhelmingness of the situation, somebody needed help, asked for help, said, I cannot do this alone. I need help. And didn't matter that the gas tank was empty. They got where they needed to go. And then as a kid, I'm in these experiences where I don't like where I am and I don't want to be where I am and I want to get out and I don't feel safe and I hate it here. And am I just being a stubborn little kid or are things pretty hard? Sometimes it was one and sometimes it was the other. But man, I just remember like covering my head and hiding. And I'm, it's not like, you know, you think of these kids in Gaza, like, how can I compare that? And that's how I knew is because when I was in those positions and then to hear these like chicken soup for the soul stories about like how this little kid was in a sitch and hiding behind her couch crying and Jesus appeared and held her. And I just hear those stories like I could have really really use Jesus a couple times. But I got to the point where I I realized like, okay, nobody's coming to save me and that kid had it worse. So like this experience probably isn't reserved for me. And that's how I saw religion for a long time, even though that's not how I was raised. That's not what the people who loved God wanted me to experience with it. But it felt inaccessible. And the more I tried to like, the more I was exposed to it, the less I understood about it, the more confusing it got. And I just, I just assumed that this wasn't for me until I got like middle school and super bitter and definitely like decided it was all false and not for me. And that's how your soul aspects come, go and develop and change over the years. They phase in and out as you as a person experience new phases in life. An aspect is a part or feature of the thing, but not the actual thing. So when I think of our souls, they're mutable, they're changeable, they're never going to be the same exact thing. I mean, from moment to moment, you don't want to have consistency there. You want the openness of flow to be able to have that comfort of come and go and be perfect wherever you are. And when you don't have that, something has to shift. I listened to a story recently of a woman explaining a walk-in experience. I first read about walk-in experiences through one of Dolores Cannon's books. Again, she does the hypnosis techniques and past life regressions. 
when she was talking to a being, she was, she talks to souls from the entirety of a human experience. So her initial approach to a soul aspect does have this like, it's with you birth to death because it is you birth to death. That's how she understands a soul. So that is how her line of questioning is laid out. From my perspective, what she's doing is speaking to a soul aspect. And these aspects come and go and phase in and out throughout the individual's lives, throughout our souls. So she's talking to this aspect. She's talking to this being. It explains that, no, I wasn't there at birth. I just, I just came in because it was needed. She, you know, this called me in and I, w I needed to be here. And they're like, well, how does that work? Well, when you're on the other side, something pings and you can go there and you have a choice and you just go. When you're in the resting place, kind of, it was like you're in a, like a decompression chamber for a bit until you're not and you're like willing to go. You opt in to go. When it's called, you arrive with it. You meet it there. And they assume a full body transformation like this soul noped out of a body and this other soul came in and took it and even swap you knew you were the same person but things weren't quite the same when you don't feel like yourself anymore there has been an aspect shift two weeks ago i listened to a podcast expanding reality with sheila seppi where she explains her walk-in experience. And I kept having to pause it because I was like, ah, there's just so much in my brain that I'm like, I need to explore this from my perspective because I can't even hear the rest of what she has to say because I was combating it so hard in my own mind. But because I had this primary lens from listening to Dolores Cannon about what it is, me realizing it from my standpoint as something else, and then hearing this woman discuss it as another thing, I needed to let it soak in before I could even listen to any more of it. And I did. I got through all of it. And it was really cool. Like her memory starts on one day where she like woke up and was ready to start her life. Even though she had kids, even though she was married, she like didn't have her childhood memories. She was tested and worried about her sanity. You know, she got a divorce and people were all about this, concerned for her because she woke up not herself, but her new sense of self had a mission to the world and insisted on a love for her children. Even though she couldn't even remember her childhood, there was an insistence on her children. So like with this transition, I'm assuming, essentially woke up feeling like this new person. She has had access to a divine team of support. When she questions, she gets answers. She has an understanding of how the system works and she uses it to her benefit. And she's like, hey, I might be delusional, but I'm comfortable being delusional over here because I believe this so full. I fully believe this. And it's important to me to live as if this is what it is. In her conversations with her divine team, she did ask like, you know, am I a spirit snatcher? Did I come in and take over this body? Like, what is going on? And it said that they showed this image of her in the previous form. She could see herself collapsed on the ground, crying, looking around at an unfinished house and just wanting out, wanting out and refusing to opt out because of her children in the other room. It sounds to me like this woman in her entirety decided in this moment that she was done, but she can't because of her kids. She wants out, she's asking. She's asking for this relief and release. She's exclaiming that she doesn't want this anymore. She wants out and she wakes up with that aspect gone, the aspect of love for her kids here, 
and this giant new aspect of a new personality with the determination of everything that she wanted before right there. Again, can you trust that? Who's really delivering this information here? Did she body snatch? Whatever. She believes this story, and for that, I believe her in her present day. So the walk-in experience on this grand level, this was an agreement. This was a request from a woman, you know, just as a parent, like, hey, if this is real, like, can you heal me? Because I don't want to live like this. And it was healed. And now this woman asking, will you take this from me and give me something else because I don't want this anymore? And it was delivered in such a way that this entire new aspect is the primary. It is now the alpha because so much of that other aspect came in. And there were two messages of hers that I had a hard time getting behind. Number one, the name of the episode, don't get caught up thinking you're human. And the other is the earth school. I used to buy into that because I read enough about it that it made sense to me that Earth was a school and our souls come here. And even when you, you know, when you start reading the scripts and everything, it starts to make sense that way, the reincarnate nature of this reality. But I think it is happening at a microscopic level that these tiny particulates and aspects, they're the ones that this is for. So when I read about all this divinity, they're talking about people, but they're not mentioning humans. I think there's a misunderstanding of what people actually are. People are a collective of peepholes, tiny things, tiny particles of matter and light that get to experience the earth and get to experience what it's like to be human in a very parasitic nature if you're unaware of it. And if you're aware of it, a very symbiotic relationship. When this new aspect, this walk-in, accepted that binding contract, they were contracted into this body of the human. The idea that you decided your journey before you get here that this earth is a school and we have contracts like this is decided and you are here for a reason and it is your job to express this. We are told this by soul aspects that we are channeling when we regress a person and pull this information. We are speaking to someone who may not realize that they are not human in that moment. We may be speaking to one of these tiny particle aspects or a collective of aspects who it's like, oh, well, we're going to need love for like eight different plans. So like for each of our plans, love has to be sprinkled in there. So when you're speaking to a love aspect, it's still going to speak for all of those other love aspects that are sprinkled throughout your entirety as a human. Reading a lot of the new age and spiritual texts, like the power of now I've been listening to for a while and I like it because it does put me in the observer shoes where I am just watching things happening and I don't have to carry it with me. I don't have to take it on. I don't have to hand it off. I don't need a benevolent force for me to handle my life. I am just watching and I choose whether or not to participate with it. But the biggest power of that right now moment is that you've never been anywhere else in your entire life except for where you are right now. You've never experienced anything outside of right now. And your right now has been across thousands of, your right now could be in different continents. But at that moment, it was right now. And it is now your past. Who knows about the future? But right now is all you've ever experienced. So for that book to want to condense that experience and leave it in the observer mode, because that is true peace, that's fair but that is no way to live. 
Without your ego, you are not the decision maker. Without your ego, you are not the chooser. Without your ego, you have no preference. Without your ego, everything happens around you. Life happens. And you are a source for this parasite to experience nothing. Because the ones that you have a hold on are still with you. If you're just observing and not participating, you're not expressing, you're barely impressing, you're taking it in and letting it flow through you and you're imprinting it with what you're stuck with. Because if you're in a flow state, these things are particles or waves. So if they have an opportunity to come through you and out, when they come in contact with your soul, they are imprinted with a new energy. And not just imprinted, it's a reaction, just like wind, just like gravity. Feelings happen. We experience things. A wild story that I pulled from Dolores Cannon also. This woman driving, and she's abducted. This woman had an, a missing time experience. So when she's regressed, they talk about what happened. And again, try to pull this not from a human experience of like conscious awareness. Think of it from one of these things that have the ability to float and phase in and phase out and become and whatever. So the person, the awareness was in the person driving the car. And then there was an element of disorientation and an abduction, an alien abduction on a ship. Like that whole thing was explored in the regression also. But then when asked what happened to the body, what happened to the car, you know, they're like, it just, it was there and then it was gone. And they're like, so how does that work? They're like, it just, it, it was gone. It's not part of this because this aspect is dealing with an alien experience something that is so different that they're not even aware of what is going on on that other level. It's not in the field of existence. So ooh, to boil this down to like reading a book, when you're reading a book and you're so lost in it, you can watch it as if it's a play going out in your mind and you know the back and forth. But again, if you stop and have to think about every single blade of grass that appears within that imaginative realm, you're not going to experience the book when you're focused on these otherly details. You are looking at the primary experience of the story being told. And you can kind of feel it being told as you're reading it. This is that flow state where it's just all happening around you and you are feeling it. And these aspects are participating with you in like your mind's field. It's your imagination influenced by your primary soul energy, by the collective feel that is your billions and trillions of aspects that are still being constantly influenced on this tiny microscopic level. So these beings should not get caught up in thinking they're human because as they flow from one to another, they are imprinted and shared between us. As myself, a physical human being that is like, I can click my nails. I know that I'm so here. I bleed blood and I have bones. I can't convince myself that I'm not human, but I also can't find a good definition for one anywhere either. So this entirety, this entirety of being human, this entirety of the aspects, that's what I think our soul is. I think it's the collective representation of the aspects that we are formed from. And I think that is our primary signature. It is the nature of our significance. To just be the observer, you have power over yourself and in yourself. It is a tool, but not a way to exist. For me, I could never just be. I love to in social circles, like I would prefer not to be the talker in social circles. I love being the observer there. 
I love to hear what people have to say. I am so curious about what goes through people's minds. I love reading the comment sections. So how much control do you have over your signature? Your authority is going to dictate your signature. Again, whether or not you realize this, this is how it works. The way we choose to see the world creates the world we see. So in these relationships, I go back to the flow state where everything comes easily. That primary zone of creation where you just have the next right thing that comes to mind, where you're just doodling and there aren't ideas, it's just the next thing. You're just doodling. Or when you pull into your driveway and you look around and you're like, oop, I don't even remember how I got home. You just coasted your entire way home, probably following all the traffic laws, but your awareness was not in that moment. Where'd you go? Your awareness was probably somewhere in your head. And you're, if you're asked to reiterate what was going on in your head as you were driving home, if your primary concern is on the drive home, like you're not even, you're probably not going to think about it. If your primary concern is like, what was I thinking about? You might have access to that again. But fact of the matter is like when you were there, you weren't there and there was an autopilot taking care of it for you. Part of yourself knew what needed to be done and did what needed to be done. There was an awareness on some level because you couldn't have driven that car. It didn't just disintegrate and you reappeared at home. That aspect of your mind was elsewhere and everything else was still happening just as normal, but that's not where your awareness was. And it's uncomfortable when you can't track it back down. So if we're driving and our soul is open and a foreign aspect from maybe like somebody in the car going the opposite direction who's also in an open flow state and has their imagination going. Maybe they're just listening to Alien Ant Farm. But that is enough of a trigger that when that aspect enters your field, in your mind, if you don't know that band, then all you see is an alien ant farm. And what does that look like? Even if that's not the case, maybe there was nothing to do with aliens, but that person driving by in the car did have an idea that ended up in your field. But since it wasn't sourced from yourself, since it wasn't your idea, since it came from over there, that it presented itself as alien and grabbed your attention and participated with your consciousness for that period. And it may have just felt like an idea to you during that moment. But even if you can't remember because you're so concerned on the drive home that like, or you're so concerned about like, dang, what did happen? You're focused on the fact that you weren't focused, not what you were actually focused on. That's not to say I am an experienced denier I've recently listened to people's firsthand experiences with UFOs and alien entities. I am not here to deny that either. Like I have a hard time participating with it with this mindset of how reality works. Um, I'm not willing to question somebody on behalf of my belief system because in a way it does deny their truth. I am not here to deny anybody else's truth and I'm very interested in learning about what other truths are out there. So I kind of sit back and just let it all flow through, be open to the ideas. I have my own, but my favorite idea is the fact that we include everybody in their truths. So that little form of all true isms doesn't fit when I'm listening to this other person's story of a real time memory. And in the regression, I don't want to take it away from that person either, but I'm more willing to call it out in that space where it is an imprint and not as a memory. So going back to the soul aspects and what even is a soul? Aspects are a part of the whole. They're the little pieces that make up the entire soul. Is the soul itself a thing for real? Probably not. It's probably just a collection within this energetic possibility that is a human. 
because we are the humans collecting these and exchanging them, what else are we doing? Because I think we're also imprinting them. The Akashic records don't exist without experience to be imprinted on how do we have access to this? How do we influence it? How do we participate with it? And what are we depositing? As this exchange is, again, presently, constantly, seemingly forever happening, so as a person with a unique mind and a unique heart, unique outlook on life, and we each have our own experience of what this has been and what this will be, we all have a unique understanding of what this is. Some of us leave those questions unanswered intentionally. Some of us have a unique understanding of what this could be. Some of us don't even take time to consider any of that. And we just are. But whether or not we're aware of it, when this exchange happens, this soul concept, there's an imprint. And this is where I kind of want to get back to the contract thing of walk-ins. So coming from the perspective of an aspect, there's a lot of documentation on how the aspects work on the other side. Again, they have free will, but they choose to go where they're going. If they're in this restful state and they're needed, they will answer the call typically. They always answer the call. If they're needed, they go and they want to. That's just how it works. Again, this is what the books say. The books also say the earth is a school and you come here to learn. It's interpreted as coming to experience human, to experience the soul. So for these walk-ins, there's already an established soul and this new energy is coming in. This new aspect, particle, matter, or way of whatever. It comes in to experience this soul, to learn from it, to grow from it, because Earth is a school. So if you look at it in the singular lifetime scale of like human beings birth to death, again, that is not what I'm trying to say these aspects do. I'm saying these aspects are the tiniest particulate matter in the world, and they are constantly being exchanged as energy, as matter, as physical matter, as it's constantly changing form in and around us projecting our reality, so much so that we can experience it as a physical reality. And as these aspects pass through us, the entirety of our soul the collective energy of these aspects, they imprint and leave a trail of your energy behind and around and expressed in every direction as your field circulates around you. And your field is just looping this in, cycling back through itself right now. Wherever your right now is, is where it's happening. And you know it, you know it feels different in different areas. You can tell how it feels. You can notice the agitation, even if you can't name it. So let's say these aspects, it's their job to learn. It's their job to see what's going on on earth. It's their job to experience being human and then bring that knowledge back and share it with the others. So maybe that's saying, I'm going to get a taste of every individual imprint and just keep circling around, go from one person to another, constantly trying to harmonize because they can only attract like energy. So it's like when you're playing charades with somebody and and it finally clicks is it because you gave them a good idea or because like there's that mental transference. I got an email today that helped spark this. It was from the happy mystic. And she was telling a story about how she wanted to make something cool for her husband for Father's Day. So she set up this canvas and grandfather meant a lot to him. So she started doing this painting of like something that that would be cool for both of them. And it involved the plane. So all of this is happening while the husband's off on a trip. The husband comes home early from the trip because this particular grandfather is unwell. 
So she's lost in this flow state. Wow, now it means something more. The husband's off with his family doing this painting. And again, there's an airplane and she wants to get it right. She needs to know the name of the craft. And she knows she knows it and she can't remember it. And it's kind of infuriating because this is the first time that she needed to do something right where everything else was just in that flow state of this is coming together. It wasn't the thought process of like, this must be exact, but this is what I'm doing and I'm doing it and it's doing and we're going and we're flowing. But now it has to be exact. She says, frustrated, I said to myself, more like yelled to myself, well, I will just have to finish without them. She was not going to put that final detail in there because she couldn't remember it and she wanted to get it done. And just then her phone rang. It's the husband and the husband just says, grandpa keeps repeating 697MR that we have to find 697MR. He hasn't been able to talk all day, but now he's very adamant that I find this plane. From another state, his grandpa filled in the missing information that would mean so much to his grandson. And it did months later when she finally got to give it to him. There's an exchange that happens in this flow state that's a little harder to happen as an exchange when you're so aware of it, when you're insisting upon it, when you're planning on it, when you need it to be a certain way. But in that flow state, this in, it's like the super information highway for real. Like everything that the internet wanted to be is what already exists in this space. We have access to so much that we don't give ourselves credit for. Another concept here of these aspects is the fact that when they ask the soul, like, does your entire, do all of you come into the body? And they're like, no, you couldn't handle it. That would be too much. You know, the human body can't even begin to comprehend the everything that is available to from, you know, your soul. Yes, it's packaged in here in this human body, but it's also like there is a higher self that exists beyond that you still have access to. But like you kind of get a droplet of it in in the earth world. You just your whole body can't even begin to comprehend the consummation of what that whole soul looks like in its entirety. But the majority of it is shared with this collective oneness. Again, if we're just talking to an aspect here, that makes a whole lot of sense. Let's say we're talking about a humanitarian aspect. And I think that that is what my soul is comprised of. And I say, why can't you why don't I have full access to my soul here? And they're like, well, if you had the entirety of this humanitarian aspect, you wouldn't know what to do with it. It's because it needs to be shared and it's not yours. You share a signature, like you're beating to the same drum because you choose to, but like it is not yours, but you can participate with it, but it is available for all of us, depending on what we're doing with it. Soul contracts in this lifetime experience are kind of presented as like, okay, before you come to earth, you know, there's a game plan set up here to where like you pick your parents, you pick this, you pick that, you pick everything. From the soul aspect side, it sounds like you opt into what's available. From the human side, we feel like we don't have free will. From the aspect side, it sounds like they have free will. But even though it sounds like they have free will, they choose to opt into it every time they're needed, but they insist that that's what they want. That may be one version of free will. Here, as humans, we have the free will within the constraints of our mind to think anything that we want to think at all. So if we're thinking something and call it in, we will probably get answers to that as long as we're not tied to it being delivered in a certain way. Because I learned all, like I learned about prayer through learning how a microphone works. Like prayer made sense to me once I learned a control board. 
it's like, oh, there's certain things that need to be initiated before you participate with this. It just doesn't work because you want it to, or just because you're sitting down confronting it, speaking it, that doesn't mean anything's actually happening. You have to tune in and participate. You have to initiate the signal to be sent out. Otherwise, it just is happening. But you're not recording. You're not recording until you press that button and choose to. Dead air is not helping anybody. If this aspect is too big for us to experience, it must contract itself to participate with us. A soul contract. Again, I can't see it as like, all right, here's a list of everything I'm going in for. See you on the other side. Hope that I cross everything off my list. And then you just jump in with a memory wipe and now you don't know anything and you're a tiny little baby that has to like collect these memories and try to do whatever mission you were delivered here for, but you don't remember what. Or again, kids in Gaza can't say shit for that. I refuse to buy into that reality that that is really what's going on here. That somebody signed up for it. We just got to let them play it out over there because it is part of their karmic responsibility. And even though it's jacked up, this is the way. I'm not agreeing to that. What I think happens is that we have the ability that we as humans have the free will and we choose to not participate in many of the ways that we could if we wanted to and we choose not to. We don't stand up for stuff. The history that we do remember, we don't want it to be repeated. So we don't let anybody do anything, especially if it looks anything close to what something else might have looked like. We don't even explore different ideas. We say, this is the way we've been doing it. Those ways are scary. We'll develop this way into something that works because we will not try those ways. You know, like why does suffering have to exist? Because we expect it to. So whether or not you sign the contract, what are these contracts? How energy works and contracts and expands. You know that these aspects only have access to deliver a message in a way that we can understand. We think that there's this divine barrier and that they have access to so much more that we have to be guarded and gatekept because if the entirety of the aspect was let in, we couldn't comprehend the magnitude of it. I'm here to flip that coin on its head because I think it's the opposite and I think that they don't know that. We're sourcing this information from them in these weird little ways, but they don't even understand the magnitude of what they are. They are all they know, so it is everything. They don't have access to the awareness that we do. They're telling you how this works from their side. And because it is so grand and it's the only thing they do, we're buying into it. So these aspects are coming to experience being human and we refer to them as souls. And I'm just going to call them little peepholes because that's all they are doing is little peepholes to see what we're doing, to be imprinted with how we're feeling and to be shared with others. Because again, this is phasing in and out constantly. So to be contracted is to be requested from a human. It is the necessity of matter to perpetuate existence. When we call it in, we are contracting it. We are welcoming it. When there is a kid in Gaza who is like praying for the sake of humanity, that is delivered. So yes, that bit of humanity is going to be, is going to experience what is happening there so it can be shared with the rest of us. It is going there to experience being a human specifically in that way, not because it signed up for it, because it was contracted, because we as humans developed this scenario to allow this to happen and it unfolds. And if it's available to be experienced, these aspects are going to experience it. We as humans looking for this ego death because that's the way out, that is the comfort, that is the peace, that is the safety, that is the end. You no longer have influence as the observer other than what you're passively expressing through your signature element. Because if you're observing, it's coming through you and you're participating with it if you're observing it. You're contracting it and you're offering your signature. 
you're signing off on this. All of your behavior, you are signing off on because you are doing it. That is the signature aspect. That is the signature element. The entirety of what you are and what you do is not comprised. It's not just this one thing. It's comprised of millions of things. And as the human, we get to put our signature on it. We grant these aspects divinity and we're so frustrated that they can't give us a way out, but they can't give us anything that we haven't decided yet. There's only ever potential, but also what is there in front of us? What we expect is consistently delivered. Like maybe we can't agree what red is, but I've made enough connections with people to see that what I think is red is also what they think is red. But there's too much variability on the individual to agree and to know that what they're seeing as the color red is the same thing that I see when I'm looking at the color red. We cannot insist upon an objective reality because our senses are so varied, but we measure and we study and we want to be so exact to the point that that's all that these people, these aspects have a chance to be is the same thing over and over and over again because we have embedded this program. We expect it to play out exactly like it is. We think that people aren't gonna change and we think that there's gonna be a World War III. We are expecting this. Even if we're not calling it in, we see it play out easier than we do world peace. Like world peace is an astounding anomaly compared to the idea of World War III in most of the world, at least in my communities. And it breaks my heart because I try to surround myself with these positive communities, somebody who can see a way out. But again, these recordings exist because I don't have anybody else to talk to about these things. World peace is now considered a radical idea. Like astrology was used for ages and ages, kings and queens having astrologers. Like we see certain patterns play out and we know how to combat them. We know how to prepare for them. We know how to use them to our advantages. We understand the vibrational aspects that are so very obvious. Like once you know how these systems work and you start looking at the relationships and you look around at what's actually happening, and I mean, you can even trace this back through history, it's fascinating. But what if there was a time where like these were being implanted? What if it was just a notation that here's an energetic possibility, here's a relationship of possibility? There's going to be a dynamic shift in the energy at this moment. If we can all collectively agree that that's going to be something else, maybe it can be. If we all expect it like, oh, since this is this planet's in this house, it's going to present to us in this way. Well, maybe it does because the signature at the time that it came around last, that's the signature essence that was left there. So then when it circles back around and it's been 250 years, hello, Pluto and Aquarius, we're delivered with its previous aspects signature. We're delivered with the previous aspect signature vibration, which is the American Revolution 250 years ago, man. So what's next? Set to have a significant impact on technology, space exploration, significant progress in society. This shift will usher in a new era of connectivity, prompting us to explore ways to engage with our neighbors and local communities. It's a time for us coming together. And then immediately after, a time for us to have like compassion and everything. So when we come together, if we can acknowledge that like this area of connectivity and creativity is going to push us to this next area, which insists on backing off and handing it over and loving each other, I don't know, maybe we can just decide it means something else. 
Like we know what we stand for. We don't have to have this whole American revolution vibe coming back through. We don't have to have our opinions and our ideas be exact and specific and agreed upon. We can alter our primary signature. We can consider different aspects. Considering our aspects will develop the soul and strengthen our signature. The more we express within our signature, the more is available to be shared with others. The American Revolution was insistence that this is how it is from here on out. And we've changed that and changed that and changed that. And honestly, I've just got to give you some something to think about on this 250 years ago thing when the United States became the United States. First, I'm going to take you to the birth of my daughter. This was a couple years ago. When she was born, she had great-great-grandparents who were nearly 100 years old. Can you imagine if at the birth of those great-great-grandparents, when they were fresh, brand-new babies, that there was a 100-year-old person amongst them? Can you imagine that at their birth, a 50-year-old was amongst them? I know that they say the average lifespan was whatever. We didn't really start counting that stuff. Like, different cultures had significant longevity before colonization. I'll say that much. Like, we don't know. And it's not fair for us to say that certain people only live to certain ages. To really look at it for what it is and not be convoluted by this generational bullshit of 20 years at a time thinking we're so different and so far off from each other. But to realistically say, 100 years ago, damn near, this person existed and now my daughter does. You can say the same thing for that person. In a blink of an eye, we were our own country. In a blink of an eye, we still still are. And look what we're doing with it. And we're looking at these founding fathers like they're deserving of some archaic preservation. But look what we've done with what they gave us. We don't owe them anything. We owe it to ourselves now to do something else about it. Regardless of their intentions, look at what we're doing to each other and look at how we're living. There is no American dream. There's only production. There's only maintenance. There's only money. We don't have to do this. We look at a signature, we're handed a contract, and we're expected to sign off on it. We're given something else by someone else of what they can do for us and what can be delivered, and we sign off on it. We agree to it. Your signature is not supposed to be at the tail end of somebody else's something. Your signature is supposed to be sprinkled in the essence of every single thing you participate with because it is whether or not you like it. So pay attention to what you're doing and where you're selling yourself short. Like being a sellout is not just doing something that you don't want to be doing or like making money for the man, whatever. It is really, truly this. It's choosing not to acknowledge what you know isn't right because you can't see another way. Being right and wrong really doesn't matter. That's not what we're supposed to be doing here. I think we're just supposed to be existing and they're supposed to be learning. We're supposed to be making it better for each other. All this esoteric afterworld stuff, I think right now is all we've got. I don't think that other stuff is for us. And that's why I can't just sit down and wait for heaven. I've got to do something right now. And I have a lot to do right now. I have a lot to share right now. And I'm excited to participate. But to sit back and call it karma, like I know that it's not my responsibility to save the world and I am not planning on taking that on and I'm not encouraging anybody else to do it either. But that simple act of being the change you want to see in the world, that signature essence will have a very important ripple effect. What you do here matters and you're important here. These little things inside of you love you so much. These little aspects of yourself specifically, the ones that have been with you, the ones that hold your memories, the ones that spend time in your heart and your head, they worship you the way that we think of people worshiping God. These aspects worship you like that. They believe everything you say and hang on to everything you think and believe. They repeat it back with such clarity and such confidence. They are your thoughts. They are your feelings. And they will listen to what you tell them. 
So when I tell myself over and over and over, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. They're like, cool, let's end it. Let's give you what you want. They'll remind me, you don't want to live. When I'm the one who told myself, I don't want to live like this, they repeat it back to me, I don't want to live. It's like I'm a senior and they're a freshman and they're trying so hard to impress me. That is the relationship you have with these aspects. They are just gonna buy into it and do whatever you say because you're the coolest to them. They are here to support you. They are here to facilitate you. 